Hey folks, welcome to the Fuck of the Podcast. And this is another bonus episode this week, since we're trying to get back our podcasting legs. This time we are at a panel over at PalmCon 2022 that just passed this weekend. And we talk about uh, making and marketing comics and everything else. There's a nice little uh, bonus content there, because as I was winding down my panel, I had some folks from Cathol entertainment come in and i got to get uh Cathal to talk a bit on uh on our end on 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 how he handles some of the stuff with everything so that's at the end also so i think it's pretty informative pretty cool nice little bonus episode nice and neat not things uh, so if you're looking into getting into comics making comics and marketing comics this is the thing to read so enjoy the show guys Hi guys, uh, you guys are at the Making and Marketing Comics in 2022 and beyond, okay? Uh, my name is Juan Navarro, I'm the uh, editor and publisher at Creature Entertainment, we're a Miami-based comic book company. I also own and run a comic book shop called The Goblin's Heist in Miami. I'm also a comic book illustrator and artist. Um, I just recently did this cover for Mad Balls vs. Garbage Pail Kids for Dynamite Entertainment. Um, I've also been known to self-publish, so one of the series that we're doing right now is Tommy, which is on the second or third issue. Actually, I have four issues done, but two issues are kind of out already. We're going to be printing them again because this tank came out exactly when COVID happened. So we had to stop uh, on our print run and everything else, and I'm just doing my own self-published book that's called Fuagata. If you're Latin, you know what that means, (laughs) which is a Cuban sound effect. So a lot of times when somebody's explaining, it's like, bro, I was going down the street, somebody came out and hit me and ended up, that's the, so I picked it. Yeah. So that's the reason why I use it. I'm, a, I'm my dad's Cuban, my mom's Mexican, I was born and raised in Miami. I've been doing comics for 20 plus years, something like that, uh, off and on, either independently or working with other ones. I've worked with, like I said, uh, Image Comics, Dynamite. Um, I've worked in Marvel with Marvel at a limited capacity, just doing merchandising. Uh, done work with a bunch of different writers and artists in every kind of way. Um, been publishing for a while. So one thing I want to ask you guys, which one of you guys are want to make comics? All right, so a lot of you. All right, cool. Uh, are you guys a, a writer, artist? Uh, writer. Both. Both? Artist. Artist, okay. So you guys should talk because <laughs> he needs something to draw and you need stuff to be drawn. Um I'm going to just go into it, but most of the time I tell people, just, it's like Q&A. You know, I teach this sometimes at Miami-Dade College. So when I do that, I always tell people just, everyone's at a different level. So you guys might have more interest in the printing side. You have more interest in the copyright side. And it's, it's a lot of hats to wear, especially if you're self-publishing. Um, but the actual making of a comic is very fluid. There's not one way of doing it. Um, there's writers like Neil Gaiman. He's like, I had like, I, I think something crazy, like a hundred plus, I think you're a Neil Gaiman fan, uh, like a hundred plus comic book projects. And he said every single one's been different. Like he's had people that he writes a full script and all the panel work and everything else. And other times it's a doodle or just like this happens on this page. This happens on this page and that's it. So sometimes when you're working with, a, if you're an artist and you're working with a writer, that's where your interpretations come in. Because you're not a robot either. You're a part of the process. There's times that a writer might say, well, then he punches the guy in the face and he falls on the stairs and he gets away. And he might want to do that in one page. 
in your idea, you could do something that's cool that's two pages. You could be something that's four pages. You could do something that's only two panels. So that's where you collaborate and really put, put something together. As a writer-artist combo, I feel for you because I am. Sometimes you're working with the worst person in the world and it's yourself. <laughs> and I've written stuff where I'm like, yeah, he jumps over the chain link fence. And then I'm sitting there drawing chain link fence. And I'm like, why is he jumping over chain link? Why could it have been a nice wall, nice smooth concrete wall? Like <laughs> wooden fence. Uh, I have those. I have the brush for that. I know the pattern. So there's those those kind of way weighing out. Um, wh one of the things that they talk about too is also the uh, the idea of working with Kickstarter and Patreon and Webtoons and everything else. I've done a lot of that too. I actually have my own comic series. I have two comic series on Webtoons right now: Zombie Years, which is a post-apocalyptic zombie story that takes place in Miami. And Vigil, which is a very old superhero comic I did in the late 90s and early 2000s that I decided to put up again on Webtoons. Just because it's free and it's easy, especially with Webtoon Canvas. And I found an audience with that. And it's, it's amazing. It's just such old work. And, you know. So it's called Vigil and what else? Vigil and Zombie Years. If you go to com, F-W-A-C-A-T-A. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you put up Fuakata also on there, I come out. So uh, uh, it's branding. That's, that's how I brand everything. Um, is there any questions? Any ideas or anything like that? No. Um, so most of the time what I tell people from the get-go is when you get into making comics or you want to start making this. Look, first off, the idea is what? To make a career out of it, right? To make enough money that you can feed yourself, you're good, you're happy, and you're not you know, scratching the walls. At the same time, you don't want to be just doing any kind of work and you want to be doing your work. You got to find a happy median in doing that. Um, a lot of times in developing a comic and stuff like that, we can get too in love with our own ideas. And I tell people all the time, you got to be ready to kill your babies. Because sometimes you don't, you're like, oh no, because this story, it's, it takes a thousand page saga that has all this other stuff. And maybe it's a beautiful thing in your head. But can you tell a story in that in eight pages? If you can do it in eight pages and get it out there, that's going to be worth something too. Because, you know, they might not be there for that thousand page saga. They're there for that little tidbit. Um, I always say the same thing, you know, about Star Wars. You know, you could do something about Luke Skywalker fixing the speeder and, you know, or, or fixing the Millennium Falcon and getting apart and coming back. And that could be a story in itself in eight pages. And we know the world of Star Wars and there's a million other things going on. But that in itself could get us involved. Um, as an artist, you've got to grow all the time. And it's not just illustrating and drawing. It's also learning to storytell, learning how to put, you know, use the panels. That a turn of the page is huge. You want to make that person turn the page every time. So every time you're drawing, you want that last panel to be like, oh, but she's in, and then they turn the page. As a writer, it's the same thing, trying to get the concept down. I, I tell people, work your, your, your key, like, um, sometimes they, you work your elevator pitch. Like, what's your center of your story? Like, sometimes it's not the plot. I'm like, when I say, what's the story about? Oh, it's a guy and he has a robot arm. No. It's a guy who doesn't believe no one loves him. And he happens to have a, a robot arm. A guy who loves his dog more than anything. And he happens to have a robot arm. You know? What is the center of it? Do that first. Get that figured out. And then you can go from there. And if you ever get lost, you can come back. You know? Um, so I, I try to tell people to always try that and everything else. Study the stuff you, you, you really enjoy. Um, and making a comic, sometimes if you like, if it's something small and you can test it out, man, you can do an Instagram, put a small story on there, do it as a slide. I've seen some great comics done as a slide comic. And 
You know, that's a great way of just testing something out. You do a couple of panels, you put it together. Even as a writer, I always tell writers, like, learn to use. I, it's funny because there's a great writer I love named Warren Ellis, and he does this. And I didn't know that. He was, like, trying to describe something to a, a, an artist, the, uh, a fight scene he wanted to do. Well, actually, he was writing Castlevania. The, the, the cartoon. He was the producer and writer for Castlevania. And he was showing this off that he ended up pu- pulling, like, something from, like, The Transporter from, like, years ago, a movie. Took a clip from that as YouTube and gave it to, to, the, to, to the storyboard artist to use. So sometimes you're just drawing from different references and resources. If you're an artist, you got to be drawing and you got to be seeing new work all the time. If you're a writer, you're reading constantly and feeding that brain. Sometimes it's not other novels. It's maybe it's just facts or history or what have you. And just feeding your brain so that later on when you're writing, it kind of comes together, congregates and everything else. Warren Ellis is very famous for that. He'll, re- he'll re- read about neutron bombs and next, you know, it'll, like it'll show up in a, one of his books or something like that. So, you know, working with it. Format and media, that comes kind of later on. Are there any questions? Or like, Yes, sir. What if I had an idea for a, a comic, but, you know, I don't have, like, the, the um, basics to make, like, the, draw, the drawing or... You're more of a writer than an artist, you're saying? Like, you're, you're a writer then. Like a writer. writer. Best thing is description. Start breaking it down. Sometimes there's templates. I have some that I use. If you ever need it, you can always ask me. I'll send you my templates. I have a pitch, pitch template that I use. And it's like, okay, what's the title? What's the idea? What's the genre? You know, everything that much as I can describe it to somebody. I leave it loose so it's not tight. I feel that sometimes when you're writing or making a story, it's like Ikea furniture. Like, you don't tighten it right away. Leave everything kind of loose, and then when at the end, you tighten everything. Um, best advice I ever got was 80% of good writing is editing. The writing part the, is just throwing up on a page and getting it out there. The, the, the part that's really good is being an editor and being able to go back and say, all right, take this down or this make, doesn't make sense. Describe as much as you can of each thing. If you're talking about a character and he has this amazing sword, Describe the sword to a ridiculous level. Look at other writers like Alan Moore. He's famous for writing like huge, like for one panel, it's like a three-page saga, like ridiculous. And the artists that work with him have said, dude, we didn't use half of what he said. Like I just like, <laughs> I had it. I looked at him like, oh, okay, he wants a guy on a magic carpet. All right, cool. I'm just going to draw a guy on a magic carpet. But it was great to have it there anyway because you would rather have more than less. You know, and be able to work like that and do as much as you can. Get references yourself. There's nothing wrong with getting what we call design DNA. So we go and say, if there's a gun that you think is cool, a laser gun, grab a laser gun from a movie that you like and you, you grab it and you put it in the file for the artist to see. You know, uh, it was, hey, it looks like this Judge Dredd gun. Oh, it looks like the, the blaster from Luke Skywalker, uh, Han Solo, whatever. You know, you grab it, you put it on there and you make it your own later on. You know, reference is fine. We're, we all come from something, so stories do too. Um, so that's, that's the, like, you know, the basics. Once you nail down what you really want to do and everything else, um, I think the big thing is afterwards then being very, how can I say this? Well, in the comic business, they say you have to be two of three things. A nice guy, on time, or really talented. If you can be at least two of those three things, you'll get far. If you can be all three, that's amazing. But I've seen it. There's guys that are like, man, this guy's amazingly talented. He's a nice guy, but he can't meet a deadline ever. We want to kill that guy. Or there's dudes like, dude, he's really cool guy. He's always on time, but 
he draws okay. But that guy gets a job all the time. That's a guy I can call, you know, the weekend before it's going to go to press and be like, dude, I need four pages, like, right now. Can we do this? I have a script. And he's like, okay. And maybe it's not the best thing in the world, but I can rely on that guy and the guy gets the page count and so on and so forth. So you got to always figure how to be some of, one of those things. And if you can be that, you'll see that you'll go very far with what you're working on. Um, and, and, and that's what you have to develop. Um, I tell artists, you got to be ready to be at the drawing table, you know, eight hours, 10 hours a day. Like I tell young artists, like you got to learn to draw for a long time because that's what's going to happen. You have to get that muscle. You're almost like going to the gym, which is, I know, I'm not somebody to be telling anybody to go to the gym, but it's like going to the gym. Like once you're ready and you go every day, you're ready for that. You're ready for the beer. So when the day comes and it happens, they'll call you and they'll say, hey, man, we need this, this, and this. And you have to bust ass all weekend to get that thing out. You can do it. And it's not a big deal. The sleepless night's not a bad problem. Uh, as a writer, same thing. You might have an opportunity to say, hey, man, I, it might be something that you don't even want to work on. But I was thinking, I got eight pages in an anthology. You want them? <laughs> but we need the pay. We need, you know, you, gotta, you have two weeks. So, you know, you have maybe the weekend to write it, and then they get an artist to draw it. So um, with writers, when you're working with artists, I think the best thing you can do is cheerlead. Sometimes if you can be the person that, hey, man, I'll bring you a coffee. I'll bring you to this. You know, massage them a little bit. Be like, make them feel special <laughs> while they're doing all the work. Uh, do it. I've done it as I've worked as a writer with other projects and I've worked as a writer with other comics for some people. And it's, sometimes it's uh, hilarious to me when I work with them and, and I know all the, the needs and wants that they have and stuff like that. So you can bring that in. That's a, that's something too. as a writer artist. You're just screwed. You're just you're just just it's just you're working with the worst client. You're working with the worst person. It's yourself. Yeah. I, well, I mean, again, it, it, if you love it, it goes. I. My, my, my girlfriend's always surprised at how silent I can work. I can just work and it's super quiet and I'm just drawing in a room and just scratching. Crazy, all, like, no music on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look like a maniac. Yeah. You know, like what is what's wrong with you? But you're in your own world and you're so happy and you're like, man, I drew really good bricks today. My bricks look awesome. Look at my bricks, you know. So when that happens, you know, you're in your world. If you can get that muscle down, then you'll get far in comics. If you're going to be an independent creator, a lot of times, don't worry. Just pop that thing open, man. I mean, I don't know if it's going to spray everywhere. Or... That's what I'm worried about. Uh, okay. I thought you were, like, worried about the audio. Yeah, like... it's going to Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, yeah, the other thing, too, is uh, if, if uh, when you're working and you're doing an independent, that is why I tell people you got to be able to describe your project. A lot of times, unfortunately, you can have great cover art. You can be, have something really cool. But most of the time, people aren't going to know your project until they know you. And, like, if you're at a convention right now and you're talking to somebody and they're, like, coming in, you have to have your elevator pitch ready. So, like, a lot of times with um, Tommy, I can just simply go, it's a story about a little kid and his imaginary friend. And the imaginary friend, he finds out the imaginary friend's a serial killer. So, right there, you kind of know what you want. If you want to read it, if you don't want to read it. Which I tell people, too. If somebody goes, and they don't like it, they don't like it. It's cool. Don't like it. Yeah, you don't have to like it. You're not going to please everybody. If you can please 50% of the crowd, that's amazing. If you can just... Exactly. Like, that's cool. All right. No. But some people might not like blood. They might not like the crazy comedy or whatever it is. The same thing. Uh, have the elevator pitch ready. Have it ready to, to, to go. And then that's something that guides you yourself when you're creating something so that you don't get off the board. Like, you know, I, I mean, I was drawing a zombie book and you know how hard it is to draw a zombie book while Walking Dead is happening? Oh, 
you know, it's like, like, I knew how to, so I was like, how do I distinguish myself? And sure, I was thinking already put cybernetics and some guns or do this. And what I did, I based it in Miami. I based it around Cuban American characters, Haitian American characters, or Caribbean characters. And I said, well, yeah, why would you stay up north where it's hot when there's a zombie apocalypse? Wouldn't you want to go down south and where it's nicer and you can be on a boat and not have that problem? So I worked that into the storyline. Oh, yeah, Juan of the Dead is uh, another one. Yeah. So there's just different le- levels that you can take that to so that it really it really works for whatever story you're doing. Um, once you do that and you can establish it, you can say, okay, instead of going and tackling, again, the big thing, do an eight-page story, get it out there. How do you get it out there? There's WordPress. There's Instagram. There's blogs. There's just a Facebook post. It could be a whatever. You post it out there just to see how people react. And see what they think about it. Sometimes we do the same thing with an illustration. You can do an illustration of the character and what people think and how to introduce them to it. If you want to do a series or a comic book series, how would you describe it? How would you keep people on the hook? That's the biggest thing, too. Stanley always said every comic book, you have to treat it like every comic book is someone's first comic book. Somebody might pick up a comic book and open it up and this is their first experience with a comic book. If that happens, you want them to stay. You want to stay on it. So how do you prepare it how do you show it how do you you know draw it you have to have faith in the audience too uh to see that they can get your story you know some people make highfalutin stories that are hoity-toity and maybe make no sense to anybody and other people make some stories that are very basic and it's just like oh this is a chosen one and the chosen one's gonna fit it to change the world and it's another one of those stories those work too there's still people that wanted to hear and see that how do you work your story you know and I always tell people the same thing. If you're having fun making it, people are going to have fun reading it. If, you do, if you're not having fun doing it a lot of times, I mean, maybe the, it can be a drudge. It can be, oh, God, again, I got to draw a bunch of fences now. But if you're enjoying it, most likely people are going to enjoy reading it. If you're happy and you're enthusiastic and drawing the cool thing, cool. Um, try that. Always, you know. Any questions? Not a question, but Well, there's a thing that frown, people frown upon elevator pitches because it sounds dumb. You know, it sounds like, oh, geez, you know, if you can make your concept more concise. It took me a while to get Tommy concise like that. You know, before it was like, oh, this weird rabbit and it does cartoony. It's like cartoon violence, but in the real world and blah, blah, blah. But it was like that was too hard. So after a while, I had to develop the pitch. So when I do cons, because I do cons in New York Comic Con, San Diego, I do a bunch of different conventions. I got to talk to people. They don't know me from anybody. I'm not nowhere near famous or anything. So when I talk to me, they don't know me from anything. They don't know my comic. How am I going to get their attention? When I tell them that, they go, oh, cool. That's kind of neat. And I can draw them in. Um, Same thing. So an elevator pitch, sometimes it can be as simple as like RoboCop meets Charlie Brown. And you go, what? Yeah, you kind of fit. You can kind of see it in your head, right? You're like, you kind of saw it in your head. You don't. Right there, it intrigues you. So if you do something like that, um, there was somebody telling me about Steam Wars, which was like a recent, uh, it's a comic book that's been out for a while now. They did a Star Wars adaptation, pretty much, but it's steampunk and it's all steam stuff. And it's gorgeous. There's some gorgeous work. Brandon Graham, actually, who does work for Image Comics and he has done work for... He posted about it and we started talking about it and I saw some pages and it's amazing. 
And it's loosely based on Star Wars. They had, like, lightsabers and stuff like that. But it was really cool to see, like, the Millennium Falcons, like, a balloon with a thing in the back and everything else. Uh, it was cool to see it. There was an adaptation to it. And they went by the storyline, kind of, and then they went away from it. They became its own thing. And that was cool. That was a way of developing it. Um, that, as a creator, if you're creating comics, you need to keep in mind. Um, once you have that in mind, you have your story, you mark it out. I do outlines. I'm very basic. I'm like, I need 24 pages for a 24-page comic book. I'll literally write 1 through 24. And I say, this happens on this page, this happens on this page, and this happens on this page. And I try to figure it out in my head, and I start thumbnailing, and I start drawing the panels. And I start looking at ways of telling the story. Sometimes page 8, I want this guy to die. Page 16, I want this guy to, get, to, to live. I want that, whatever. 24, it ends on this, but it ends on this cliffhanger. Um, Dan Harmon, who's the writer for uh, Rick and Morty, one of the things he did was develop like this eight-hour clock. And you would see the clock, and he's like, this is where the character starts, and this is the loop, and this is what he goes through. By here, he's already figuring out the plot, and then by the time he gets over here, he's back again. And it was made for characters to have, re like, to have their adventure but not necessarily change. The character doesn't change because you're doing a sitcom. So you want a cartoon that the character keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. So the character doesn't necessarily change, but the things happen to him. And then you come back to it. So Morty's always Morty. Rick is always Rick. But as time goes, they could change. So that's the kind of thinking you have to do when you're plotting out your, your, your stuff. What is going on? Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, who's an amazing writer, he said the worst thing you can ever do is waste people's time. Don't waste people's time. If you're writing something or creating something, don't waste people's time. Give them something to like really ask for and look for. And they're like, I want to read the next issue because of this. I'm going to read this because this happened. Wait, she died or did she dead? It, even if it's cheesy, sometimes it looks like soap opera crap that you're doing. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, I'm being really cheesy doing this. I mean, The Walking Dead was basically a soap opera with zombies in the background. But the, but the soap opera structure is never not horrible. It's sometimes what you're dealing with, but it's what we go through. It's drama. Most of the time, most of us wake up, go, you know, get dressed, go to work, eat something, come back. I mean, it's it's a drudgery. So if all of a sudden, you know, what, what how does Tony Soprano wake up, go to work, come back and everything else? How does, you know, you know, yeah, exactly. How does Chewbacca wake up? You know, they've never seen, I've never seen Chewbacca sleep. Let's see how, how does he sleep? Does he sleep like a dog? Does he curl up? Does he like get in a bed? Does he have pajamas? Does he get dressed to go to the bed? I mean, if he doesn't get dressed to, 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 you know... In real life, that would be weird if he got dressed to go to bed. But is that a Wookiee thing? See what I'm saying? You got a story there. See how you have something there? So that's a lot of times. This is, and those are the kind of things that torture me. Like if I'm on a long like, plane ride, I'm like sitting there thinking about like, do Wookiees get dressed to go to bed? Um, so those are the things that you need to, to kind of uh, indulate. And then I would just I might write my outline. And I'll do it also if I'm doing a series. So if I'm doing a five-issue series, I'm doing a four-part story now here in Fuakata that's going to be in my different anthologies, and it's going to be a comic all in one. So I know it's going to be four eight-page short stories. They're going to be linked together. So I go, all right, first eight pages, I'm going to have the character Meat Hook running from one rooftop to another rooftop, going after this guy, and at the end, we find out why he's trying to bust this drug dealer who has gamma-radiated cocaine. And when he busts him, the guy takes the cocaine and he becomes this Hulk-like character and he has to fight him. And I was like, cool. But then I went, crap, that's eight pages. How do I do that in eight pages? So then you, you have that conundrum and you fix it. And then you go, okay, so then that's my, well, now he's about to fight him. That's where I cut off the story. 
So you're like, ah, oh, I need to read issue three because that's going to be the continuation of it. And you start going from there and you just fix everything as you go. And, and, and that's why I carry it. Well, I don't have it with me right now. My sketchbook, my, my cell phone is another notepad. I have it full of notes. My notes has like a thousand two hundred something notes in it because I'll open a note. I'll start writing something. And if I have to throw it away, I throw it away. I, I, it's fun to go back and be like, OK, Civil War, but in space, you know, like. That's great too. Whatever works for you. There's no. This is the one thing I've I've learned from everybody, from Darwin Cook, uh, Warren Ellis. I got to meet a lot of my heroes, and when I got to talk to them, especially about stories, they said there's no real one way. There's, and we are always constantly looking for the next way. And everybody's like talking and like, oh, what did you do? I do this. Oh, and notes is just nice for me because if I go, oh man, I wrote a note about my character Rez, and I know I I wrote about him doing something. I can look it up. I can put it in the search bar. It comes up. Oh, that was that whole scene where he goes into the convenience store and his favorite ice cream isn't there and he, gets, he ends up beating up uh, Margaret, you know, in it. So I was like, all right, cool. That's something. Uh, and I find the scene and I see the dialogue that I wrote for it. I'm a stickler for dialogue. So that's the, one of the things that reason why I use notes. If you want to use notes, if you want to use Scrivener, if you want to use any of those things, that's the stuff to learn. And then from there... Um, then it's about once you have that outline, writing that script, getting into it. As an artist writer, you're kind of like, well, why do I need to write a script? I got it right here. So it's uh, your thumbnailing. Yeah, I have to like trick myself. Like I have to write this down. I can't just go into drawing. Yeah, yeah. it will give you the the structure, you know, because if they, you limit yourself, this is the reason I do it. Because if I go page four, she he tells her he loves her. All right, I'm stuck to page four. He tells her he loves her because in the fifth page, it's he's on a jetpack somewhere. So I got page four. I got to make page four work. Now, you know, depending on what you're doing, this is the beauty of using digital. Now I can go, I can have a page five or a 4.1 or whatever you want to call it. Now I can just add more stuff. That would work too. So if you want to do something like that, that's awesome also. Uh, Webtoons is great for that, like because if you want to develop a comic for Webtoons, it's just understanding the, the the platform format, and you just go down and you, like I said, you have to leave it so that they want to go to the next page. But for yourself, have that structure. But then you know, it happens to me. I'll pencil it one way. I go to pencil it. Then I'm like, man, well, what if the arm was like this? Or oh, you know, it's a cool angle like this. And then I want to ink this way, and it changes over time. And next thing you know, it oh the word bubbles I wanted to put in those aren't fitting right now. So I always make sure the word bubbles. I always try to work it. You start learning from experience, and so then it's about putting it. Then then after that, finishing it. Now that's the other thing. Are you doing black and white? Are you doing digital? Are you doing it ink? Are you doing it in watercolor? Are you airbrushing it? Are you painting it? That is all up to you now, because it used to be you had to do it in pencils and colors, and you had to do it a certain way. Because that was the process and that's how it is. Now you don't. Now it's digital. So when you go to make a lot of that stuff, you don't have to consider so many things. You can scan up pencils now and put the pencils if you want them. So in digital media, that's learning all the formats, learning all these other things. If you're an artist, that's one thing. A graphic designer is another thing. Learning to set a file to go to print is one. Uh, That's something that, again, if you're going to have self-publish, if you want to do your own independent stuff, you got to learn. What if 300 DPI is, if it's going to go to CMYK, if it's going to, you know, you're, you're, that your blacks are in your CMYK file, that everything is perfect, that your uh, lettering is vector, stuff like that. Those are the things that you learn later on as a graphic designer, if you're self-publishing. Oh, hopefully you don't. You have a publisher and they're like, oh, we'll do that for you. And they take it away and it's awesome. Uh, any questions? 
Right now, I jump from one thing or another. I use pretty much the Adobe Suite. I mean, I've pre I I I, I worked for years in advertisement, so I worked in Quark and a, a bunch of other programs for for uh, printing. Uh, but in the end, God, what was it? Page Adobe Page something that was like back in the nineties. That's how long ago it was. But uh, now, you know, I, I use the Adobe Suite in design. It's Adobe Photoshop ninety percent of the time. Uh, Illustrator for lettering sometimes, though I do letter in Photoshop now. Uh, I just turned and I just got an iPad and an Apple Pencil. I just got that. Like, I just started really working. I've had it for a while. I, I don't like the feel of it, but it's just I had to turn in a lot of work faster. And it's just an easier way. And if I... I travel a lot, and I travel a lot. Also, uh, my girlfriend's a singer, so I travel a lot because of her. So sometimes if we're trying, like, it's hard to take a bag full of markers and paints and this and that. But I can just take an iPad and a pencil, and as long as I have my charger, you know, I can be in the hotel room working. Um, that's the main thing um, from there. And then from there, again, it turns into what do you want? Because some people use Clip Studio. Some people use uh, Procreate. Uh, which one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they, well, I know, like, some of those have, like, tools that are just made for comics. They have a word bubble tool, which I'm like, I didn't think I was going to live long enough. It has, like, an entire tab where it's only for comics, and then they have another one for animation. Yeah. And another one for illustration. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's amazing to me. I'm just like, that's... Because, I mean, I remember when Photoshop first came out, and they are just like, you can draw on a computer. Yeah. Like Firepocket's free. Yeah. You can just download it. Yeah. For writers, uh, Scrivener is one that a lot of people use. 40, 50 bucks. If you look uh, up Jim Zub, he's a writer at Marvel. He has uh, templates that are ready to go on there to write a comic book script. I also use Office to write. Okay. There's Office templates for those too, if you look it up. There's some people that have a certain template that they like to use. It's good as an artist to look at those scripts too. Luckily, you can look up like... Again, a, a writer you like, like Neil Gaiman or, or any of those, and you can get a script from them, and you can take a look at how like Sandman was drawn, was written, and draw from there. You can always do that as a practice. Um, what else? Where was that? Programs. So yeah, those are the different aspects of it. Um, then once from you're there and you have all that done, and you have your project, and I tell people too, like, all right, if you're planning to do a five page comment like five page five issue book and it's a nice chunky 100 pages there or 100 something pages that you want to do that's cool get it all done before you start put, putting it out there because you don't want to put out the first issue and then oh you know my mom's birthday came up and then i had to do this class and then this happened and now the second issue is delayed and the third issue is delayed behind that because the one thing that people don't like is delays you think about it as a fan when it's something cool that you've been reading or something that you really like and it gets delayed, how pissed are you? And then if enough of that times that happens, the main thing, like I said, one of the things you have to be is on time. You have to be on your deadline. So if that means, oh, or you know what? I've done it where I'm like, I'm going to work on this for the next year and then I'm not going to put it out till next year. I got this year to get this done. I've done that to get it forward. So... Um, once you get that going, then there's just a bunch of different ways about it. Now, I think... Yeah, they're talking about Webtoons, Kickstarter, and Patreon. That's a whole other bag. I wish the other people were here because I, I have a lot of experience on it, but 
I don't want you guys just to hear it from me. Um, once you have your book done and everything else, there's all these different ways. Webtoons is the easiest way. Webcomics is the easiest way because it's no overhead. The most you're going to spend is maybe getting a .com or going to a Webtoons. You're just uploading it. You're putting it together. Uh, all those things, they cost you no, practically no money. Uh, it's a little bit of effort. Now, it's really hard, a little hard, really hard to get the word out on something like that. Because you got to think about it. If you go on Webtoons right now, there's a million, billion comics on there. So how do I get your attention? How do I get you out of there? So then that's where you get into advertising. You get into the best thing out there. I always tell people the same thing. Word of mouth. Word of mouth is everything. Because I can tell you all, whatever, it's cool. I'm like, hey, man, you should buy Tommy. because It's the best comic in the world. That's me. But if somebody else tells you, have you read Tommy? And then you hear another person tell you, oh, I've read Tommy. You're going to be like, dude, should I read Tommy? You know, because you're going to hear it enough times. So once you have your comic in Webtoons or something like that and you have it set up and everything else, then it's about recruiting. And sometimes, you know, I, I'm happy when I get like one or two comments or somebody likes it. I'm just like, hey, somebody likes my stuff. And that's it. But it would be nice if there were numbers. And once the numbers come in, that's where there's that's where the, the proof is in the pudding right there. That's where a lot of gung-ho-ness that comes out because then people will want it kind of snowballs and so once that happens you can draw more attention to it more attention and now people are looking at your work and once you have that following i have like maybe a thousand something subscribers to to uh zombie years which is great i love it it's awesome i had ten thousand when it was originally online in my own website but i had to stop for a bit and everything else and come back and when i came back you know those people hopefully came back you know it's not easy um so and then from there, there's that art of like the comments and talking to your fans and keeping the, the ball rolling and keeping it fresh in people's minds. If you're ever going to go and decide to print a comic book, that is where things get really sticky. Um, not to say not to do it. It's awesome. It's great. I love being here. I love having my comic. And this is the greatest feeling in the world. Because when you have it in your hands, it's like, this was on my computer, and I drew this, and I scanned that, and I did this, and I never had to choose the font, and I cried in this part. And, like, <laughs> you, you, can, you, look, you look at it, and you can appreciate the hell out of it and say, oh, okay, this is really cool. This is something I really I, I dig. Um, there's just the money involved in that. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to do crowdfunding, this is the next, that's the next step. There are some... Um, Really interesting classes or videos or people that you can do. There's one called Comics Tribe, I think is what it's called. There's another gentleman called Russell Noelty. He's great at it. He's actually done like a graphic novel every year for at least like at least the last 10 or 12 years. He would draw a graphic novel, get it on Kickstarter, have it funded, and go to cons and sell it. And, that's, and he's been living off that for like 10 or 12 years. Uh, I think there was the creator of Earthworm Jim. He does the same thing. He has a lot of it. You, you don't know it, but he's actually been in a graphic novel every year for the last 20 years. And he just keeps getting work out. And there's a following, and he has his following, and people buy it, and it's awesome. And he's like on Amazon and a bunch of other places. So once you do the printing and once you get that going and you have everything and you decide to do crowdfunding, that's a whole other bag. And there are some people, you know, I've seen some mediocre projects that are really crappy, and they get $100,000. Why? Because the people behind it are charismatic. They're on it. They're, they're, they know how to draw a crowd. They know how to get attention. So they get their stuff out there. Sometimes it is the lowest hanging fruit, 
sometimes it's uh, sexually explicit or stupid or whatever, but they know how to get it. And I've seen some projects that are genius, beautiful, and amazing, and they can't get 100 bucks. So I tell people all the time, you have to be very wary about it. You have to be very on top of it. If you get... If you go to some place like Kickstarter, it's kind of cool because you will find an audience there too that you might not have had before. And they find you and you have a good group. But it's also about putting stuff out there. And you have to put out stuff all the time. You have to be making posts and sending this out and, oh, check this out. And I just drew the sketch and I just drew this. And the, the people that really know how to do it, they have a, keep your interest going every day. You don't get out of their brain all the time. You don't overbear them, but you always have something cool to look at. That's one of the main things to do. Patreon, that's a whole other bag because Patreon is about support. Now, a lot of times you see YouTube videos and a lot of the, the uh, influencers out there, they have Patreon. For artists, it's a little harder because what do you promise them? Now, some people, what they do is they do live YouTube hangouts. They do. I don't have the schedule for that. But they'll do hangouts where they're drawing on YouTube. They're, they're, they're showing their work off. They're talking to them. And, you know, they, they'll get to see that video. Or they get to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Or they, Patreon is you have to make it worth their money. Even if they're giving you a dollar a month. Now, you can say, well, a dollar a month. That kind of... What are you going to do with that, Juan? But if it's a thousand people doing it? Yeah, yeah. There's a great article that came out years ago that was called uh, A Thousand True Fans. And you think about what you love. Like, think about a property you like or an artist you like or a comic you like. Do you think in this year you spent 100 bucks on them? Have you bought, like, books or sculptures or, like, if you think about, like, oh, I love manga. Have you spent 100 bucks on manga? Have you spent 100 bucks on a video game? Yes. Right? Yeah, see, some of you are like, I probably spent more than that. Uh, you know? If you think about it, now imagine you had 1,000 people doing that. That's not that many people. There's 390 million people in this country alone. So if you had a thousand of them that were really big fans of your work and they're spending a hundred bucks, that's a hundred grand. That's not an that's an okay living, you know. You're you know inflation. I don't know, but <laughs> that's an okay living for an artist, and you can grow from there. And it came from a guy who wrote wrote an article that he was playing ball with his boy outside, and his kid overthrew the ball and the, the it broke the neighbor's yard, uh, the window in his yard. So he went over and he saw his neighbor wasn't there. He, he felt bad that there was a hole in the window and it was like kind of getting cold in wintertime. He didn't want to get messed up. So he kind of went and took the window out and put like a board at least and everything. And when he saw inside the house, he saw that the guy had all these pictures of him playing jazz all over the world. And they're like trumpets. And you know, I was like, oh, he's a musician. Oh, that's cool. So he puts the board and everything. Finally, the guy comes back because the guy was on tour. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, I broke the window. I'm going to replace it. He goes, ah, no problem. They ended up meeting. He's been neighbors for years. When they were talking, he finds out this musician plays jazz, jazz festivals all over the world. He had just come back from Australia. He went to Germany. He went to this. He went to that. And I go, I've never heard of you. He shows him his, the guy shows him his albums, like the albums that he's done. I go, I've never heard of you. I go, nah, I'm not famous. But it doesn't mean I don't have my fans. And he would say, like, I, you know, I don't sell crazy amount, of them, but I make enough to live. I live very good. As a musician. So those are the things that can you can see as a realistic goal to get yourself out of stuff. So, Phil, are you next? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I'm just blabbing. Say if you want to. There was supposed to be like three other people here. <laughs> you can definitely stay for mine. Yeah. That's Philip McCall, by the way. He actually has his own uh, publishing. He's been at it for years, too. I tell him about this whole comic book thing and how not to do it. Yeah. I tell him get a hot dog cart. 
Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I will say this. And, and uh, yeah, this is probably the first time I've, I've, I've started these and I didn't preface it. If you're doing this for money, do anything else. If you want to do stuff for money, do anything. Be a fisherman, an accountant, a lawyer, get shot out of a cannon. Do that. Because money's not the thing here. And I'm not trying to be like some weirdo communist guy. I'm just saying most of the time it's just not the thing. It's just, you know, there's other forces involved that are going to keep you going. Um, Thank you so much. No, no problem. Enjoy the show. Um, but yeah, so once you have that and you're, you're going through it with, with Patreon. So with Patreon, getting those fans can be a huge help. But it's also in your sales and your merchandise. I have Patreon. I do also... Um, Substack, I have different fans on each of those. I have fans on DeviantArt. I have fans, and it's not large numbers, but like DeviantArt, I've been there on there almost twenty years. So, like, I have fans that have been there for with me for twenty years. So it's cool when I post a comic and they're like, "Here's twenty bucks, man. Send me your book." Then you know, and I'm like, I turn around and I have a hundred bucks of sales right there, and I'm just like, "Oh, that's cool. I didn't even you know try. You know, if I tried, it wouldn't be better." Those are the kind of things you can look at and say, okay, you can go moving forward. Um, as the artists and stuff like that, just always work on your skill to make it better. But in your own, not better just because it's better, better for yourself, that you feel like you're expressing yourself better. That your, your, your ideas are coming out more solid. That's what I look for. Because sometimes it's not just about draftsmanship. I know it's about drawing. Look, you could draw this beautiful, awesome astronaut suit, and it looks so cool, and you have every articulation. And is that the 1974 Apollo stitch? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, but you're drawing a dinosaur story. Why are you drawing that? Like, no one cares. Like, you know. But if you care, that's what matters. So always focus on getting it better for you and better vision for you. Um, harness it that way. And, but also learn to listen. It's going to suck. Because somebody might tell you, hey, the leg looks a little short. And you're like, shut up. You know, the leg does look short take it uh any questions i think i'm i think i'm wrapping it up because they're gonna have a next thing i don't know what what you want me here for that too ah jeez. um any questions anything else that you might guys want to know or anything don't tell me i explained everything perfectly and now you know everything and you don't need anybody's help at all what, uh, you know, look at that. I made a master's already. I'm, uh, I'm that good. You did that good, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then from there with uh, Patreon, was it less of Webtoons? Then you go from there, and you have to hit everything. Then you got to hit everything. Then if you publish the book, put it on Amazon. If it's a digital book, put it on Comixology. Put it on Drive-Thru Comics. Put it on, you know, all the different areas and venues that you can get your stuff out. Yeah, and yeah. What's, what's important is that with any of these mediums that, that you have, whether it's you're doing a comic, mm -hmm. you're doing a web series, you're doing a novel, you're doing an audiobook, one of the things that I just picked up from, I was telling Jamie, one of the things that I picked up from DragonCon, mm. was that just recently, is everyone was talking about wide publishing. Mm. Well, they were just saying, I went wide. And I'm like, what are they talking about, right? So I come to find out that wide publishing essentially means that you publish on every platform physically possible yeah, yeah. with your medium and you have to be careful on which platforms you're choosing so as an example if you use kdp and then you sign up for exclusively on kdp then you can't take your stuff anywhere yeah. else right so you can't mm -hmm. go white publishing so what you have to do is make sure you look through your 
you know, your guidelines and the, and the things that you sign up for to make sure that you're not, you know, signing your life away, yeah, basically, yeah. right? One of the biggest horror stories that, that you always hear, that I hear at conventions, is that people will say, oh, I'll sign up with this company, they'll produce my book, then they, they sign up, and then essentially what happens is, is that they get caught in this contract that essentially destroys them taking the book anywhere yeah. else. So what I think is important is, is making sure that if you're signing up for anything digital, whether it's a lot of the spaces that the comic companies are in, even T-shirts, like even, yeah. you know, signing up for like just to make T-shirts for yourself. If you sign the wrong agreement, you could literally say, hey, take my image yeah. and you have the next seven years to do whatever you want with and, it. And, 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 you know? and that's happened so many people. They'll, they'll, I just saw something about a cosplayer who made like a Venom costume and she had it printed somewhere. <coughs> And there was some, and uh, when it came back, now now she sees her costume everywhere. They sell it on Amazon. People are printing it because she said that they get printed somewhere in China, and and that was it. That was it. Now they copied it, and now they're putting it everywhere. So we're rolling into the next panel, um, and if you can stay as long as you can. If you need to leave, that's cool. But I think it's valuable as well. Um, this is the business of writing, and writing covers pretty much everything. It covers audiobooks. It covers comics. It covers anything that is in the creative form. That involves essentially writing. So there are many types of writing. There is, again, comics. There's script writing for comics. There's script writing for film. And there's novels. There's short stories. There's poems. There's, you know, it's endless, right? So um, you want to introduce yourself again to yeah, the people yeah. just walked in? Uh, sure. I am Juan Navarro. I am the editor and publisher at Creature Entertainment. I'm also the owner and co-owner of the Goblin's Heist comic book shop down in Miami, Florida. I produced uh, this book called Tommy. It's a story about a little boy with an imaginary friend. Finds out his imaginary friend's a serial killer. Uh, this is actually the second volume, issues one and two. Uh, I also just recently did the cover as an artist for Mad Balls versus Garbage Pail Kids. Of uh, that, and then I just recently self-published this Fogata Number One, an anthology of like short stories of mine that I put out throughout the year. I do this quarterly, and I'm currently just you know working on the comic book shop and trying to come back uh, to making comics. Really, <laughs> you know, that was an adventure you went on. Yeah. Uh, my name is Catholson. I am an indie publisher and author, screenwriter, comic writer. I've been doing this now for uh, well over 16 years. Um, I pretty much touch every genre. Uh, what I bring to the table today is I've made mistakes out there in the publishing mm -hmm. world, and my goal is to help you not make those mistakes. Okay. And then with me, I have uh, Jamie. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm Jamie Ingle. I'm a Florida-based writer. Um, I write novels, and I've just recently switched into screenwriting and comic book writing. Sold my first film, sold my first comic, and I am happy to share. Uh, all the mistakes I've made so that you guys can avoid them too. So let's do it. Yeah, so how many writers do we have in the room right now? Or, okay. So what are you writing right now? Um, I do like just fun stories. Okay. Stories. Are you doing like fan fiction? Are you doing your own stuff? Uh, what are you doing? My own stuff. Okay, how about you? Uh, anything I can write. Um, I'm doing Okay, any other writers in the room? No? Just people interested? Okay, that's fine too. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about, um, let's get the, the writing business out of the way. So when you take on any craft, whether it's being an, a, a comic artist, a comic writer, a writer, a screenwriter, a 
poet, a painter, a sculptor, doesn't matter which one of those it is, be committed, right? It's, it's a process. And anyone sitting here will tell you that you have to invest time, right? So if you want to take this to the next level, it's not just going to happen. You have to invest time. And time is money. And eventually, you're going to have to turn this into a business where this conversation meets. Now, what that business looks like, that's going to vary. You're either going to work with a publisher like Juan, or you're going to start your own company, or you're going to sell a screenplay like Jamie did, or you're going to do various things, self-publish. There are many avenues, right? But there are three things that you need to be aware of. One, time is, is fleeting, and it's going to cost you time to do whatever you do. Two, if you do decide to go the indie route, it's going to cost you money. Okay? And you have to be careful where you spend your money and how you spend your money. Okay? And lastly, your rights. Okay? That is the holy grail. That is the Bible. That is the one thing that you need to be very, very careful with. Okay? And I'm going to, before the question comes up and somebody asks, you cannot mail something to yourself and protect it with a copyright. Okay? Yeah. That is a myth. Don't that was do an it. old nugget. Yeah. That, was, that, that is not something you want to do. It costs $30 if you want to get a copyright. Now, be very careful with copyrights. If you feel that you're going to submit your novel, your, and those of you doing short stories, people don't look for short stories unless they're anthologies, okay? And those are very few and far between. If you're interested in finding those markets, I can direct you where to go, okay? Um, if you're going to write a novel and you're going to try and copyright it and you're not going to self-publish, do not copyright it, okay? That sounds weird what I said, but it's an insult to the publishing house if you copyright it because it says you don't trust them, right? So what you need to do is finish your novel, get it edited, get it out to an agent. The agent will either accept you or they won't, or you can go through a small publisher, and they will have contracts. You want at least 20%, and you're only going to want to sign away your first publication rights. No movie rights, nothing else, no second rights. Watch those contracts. Get a lawyer to look at them. This is serious business. You could literally give away the basket of eggs and never get them back. Okay? Mm. It's, I, 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 it sounds like I'm scaring you, but I have to. Somebody has to. I think it's because yeah. in this industry, once you're in it long enough, you hear all the horror stories. Yeah, you know. You know yeah, and and it's sometimes, I wouldn't even say like, oh man, they like totally took your thing and they just ran off with it. No, but the next three years, you can't do anything with it. Right. You so, can't show it to anybody. You can't shop it around. That's the horrific. Yeah, so I, I had something that happened to me several years back. Um, Grace Flynn, which is my novel, has been out since 2012. I got a call from a fan on a Saturday morning saying that they had seen something on the Internet that I needed to go look at. And I was like, oh, what, well, what's going on? So essentially what happened was is there was an infringement there by someone, and it ended up sending me into a three-month spiral where I couldn't do anything until I cleared that up. Mm. Now, eventually it got cleared up, and everything's fine. I thank yeah. the person that I was involved with that they let things be as they were. But that's a very rarity, and there's a thing called the creative cloud. It's a theory, right? Creative cloud states that we're all kind of creators pulling from this creative cloud, right? So we're going to eventually collision at some point, right? And what makes stories unique is their characters, because every story has already been told. There's only so many ways to tell a story. What makes your stories unique are the characters and the settings, okay? And the last piece of advice I'll give on writing before we get to the business is, is that the writer that you think you want to be is not the writer that you are, okay? So what that means is 
you may want to write Tolkien, you may want to write like J.K. Rowling, but you're not, right? So your writing is specific to you. Don't try to mimic someone else, mimic yourself. Put your passions, your stories together. Don't worry about what the others did, because at the end of the day, this has happened to me. I wanted to write like Tolkien, but I don't write like Tolkien. I write like me. And my voice is, is a unique voice. We all have inspirations, all of us here at the yeah. table. But the point is, is that write like yourself from the beginning and you will get faster to where you want to be. Can so, I yeah, go ahead. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, they always say, especially in school, like write what you know. And sometimes that's kind of confusing because you may not be a hobbit. So how do you write that? And um, I think a part of being a good writer is taking your perspective your experiences, um, where you've grown up, the income of your family, the religion, the politics, I mean, everything that makes you, you, you are the only person on the planet that has that perspective. And you may be the only voice that somebody hears. And what I mean by that is you may have something in your book. Uh, my first novel is about a boy who got bullied and I went to a school, it's a fantasy adventure, so it's not like bullying, bullying. But um, I went to a school and I did a visit and um, years later, I found out that one of the boys who was in that room who heard my talk, he was going to kill himself that morning. And after something I said about my book, he chose not to. And years later, he told my son because they were in the same class. So your perspective is not just unique to you, but it might be the only words that somebody else hears. So make sure you're being authentic because people can hear that. You know, you guys have been on social media. You know when someone's like, oh my God, this is awesome, versus somebody who's like really sincere and passionate. So be that passionate person and put it on the page. Yeah, if you're, if you're true to yourself and your writing and your creativity, mm -hmm. it, the authenticity will, will come shining through like that. I, I will add to that because I was doing stand-up for a while and one of the, um, Bob Saget actually said this to us at, at the improv. He, he came to do a set and he was there and he was just talking to the community. I was like a fly on the walls. I, I sat there like, okay, whatever he said. But he said, don't, you don't have to make everybody laugh. If you get 50% of the room, it's going to sound like everybody's laughing. And he had pointed at, well, me and another comedian because we were like having the hardest time that night. I did five minutes and I'm like, that table in front of me hated me. Like that table was just like, and I'm like, Jesus. And he was like, that's fine. The table behind them was laughing. Exactly. You couldn't see it because of the lights. So if you can get 50% of people that like it, it's like maybe you're not for everybody. And that's fine. 50%. Awesome. Amazing. So with that said, before I begin, are there any questions before we roll into the, the nitty gritty? And then I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> this is already four. So, all right. Let's get started. All right, so that was the episode, guys. Uh, hopefully you guys picked up some knowledge, some uh, wisdom, some deep-seated thing that will help you conquer and make some comics. And if not, at least you were entertained for a little bit. 
thank you guys for listening as always this is a bonus episode uh we will probably air this on wednesday so tomorrow will be a full episode of fuagata trying to make up trying to make sure i got 52 for the year i gotta start counting and see how everything goes so i can finish the year off if you'd like to have more or learn more you can always go to fuagata.com or fuagata on instagram f-w-a-c-a-t-a I'm always posting stuff on there. If you want uh, any messages or anything like that, you want to send me anything, uh, fuakata at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. And other than that, uh, help and support either on the Patreon or Substack, or you can always go to uh, buy one of the books. You can always get on there and you know buy one of the co- my comics or something like that. That's another way you can support the podcast and keep it going. Thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, I think I'll see you tomorrow on a new episode. How cool is that? Be good.